Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tyre Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13-21-91. The Expertise Panel. Brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. It's 10.24 here on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy is on the road with the Cricket World Cup, so Ricardo Ball in for him. And joining us on our expertise panel today is uh, Dana Johansson, National Correspondent for Stuff. Uh, she's a Voyager Media Awards winner, I think five times, and she's working on, at the moment, producing a great piece of content called State of the Union. Uh, hello, Dana, how are you? Kia ora, Ricardo. I'm great, thanks. Thank you. And also uh, joining us for the expertise is uh, our old mate, Lavina Good. You might, might recognise her from Sideline at the Warriors, doing interviews at half and full time. And amongst other things, Lavina, how are you doing? Mate, I've had a Barry Crocker start to the day. I'd love to share this with you and Dana. I'm home with a COVID case. Last time I spoke to you, Ricardo, which was like 12 hours ago, I didn't have a COVID case in the house and I've woken up to a 14-year-old with a positive test and I've decided to wash extra sheets and extra towels and my washing machine is broken. No need for you to find the seven-second delay, Ricardo. I won't swear right now, but I haven't had the best start to the day, buddy. Not going to lie. No, well, I tell you, I tell you another story, and Dana, forgive us for for uh, for the COVID yarn, but uh, I got to work at five thirty last night, uh, and I had I'd done a rat test before I came in, and it had been negative. And about ten minutes after I arrived at work and was prepping for the show, my partner messaged me to say that our nine year old daughter had just tested positive. So <laughs> I'm also crazy, locked yeah. down for the next ten days. So there you go. You're out, mate. You're tapping yeah, out. Make sure you go home and do the washing, Ricardo. Be productive. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting into that. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Everything's getting cleaned and washed <laughs> and boiled to within an inch of its life. But, uh, Dana, we should <laughs> we should talk um, your State of the Union, um, the the things you're doing. I know Ricky Jane Swinnell's running a lot of the video stuff. But you're doing a lot of the writing uh, for it. And it is about the State of Rugby Union in New Zealand from a, a female point of view from the women's game. Um, what sparked you to doing this and what have you found since uh, digging in? Yeah, I think, I guess the main impetus was for it is that this year is a huge year for women's rugby and, and all women's sport, really. We've got the Cricket World Cup going on at the moment as well. Um, but in terms of rugby, we've got Super Rugby Opiki, which was due to start the weekend. So, um, yeah, COVID is obviously top of mind for everyone at the moment. Um and also a World Cup later in this year. So um, I think, you know, it, obviously it's going to be a time for celebrating strides made, but also it's a good time to stop and actually take a critical look at what is going on in women's rugby and not just um, sort of pat each other on the back and say, look at look at what we've done here. Um, 
So I guess uh, the key learning so far is, is that there has been huge change, particularly over the, the past decade. It's been really accelerated with um, Rugby Sevens being included in the Olympic program. Um, but probably what we're seeing is that the pathways still aren't there at a, at a younger level. And so... Well, we've had this huge growth of the top. There isn't really the talent base to support it at the moment because you see, you know, once you get to, you sort of see kids picking up a ball and running with it from the age of about five or six and they can muck in with the boys and play ripper rugby. But once they get to 10 or 11, they don't want to play with the boys or they're too scared to tackle the boys. Um, there isn't really an avenue or an outlet for them. And so rugby are losing those participants um, to other sports. And, you know, some of them aren't, aren't sort of reconnecting with the game. And if they are, it's not until very until a lot later. So they're missing out on a lot of skill development and that raises player welfare issues as well. Lavina, I mean, you're uh, uh, you've been a sports journalist for for a number of years, and you've got children as well who are, who are participants in sport. Uh, I know that maybe they haven't played rugby. What's been, but what has been your experience with your kids coming through, particularly your daughter and and sport and the opportunities for say a sport like rugby? I think a couple of things resonated with me then listening to Dana. I think um, when I was overseas with Ricky Jane Swinnell um, commentating on the Olympics in Tokyo, it really stood out for me. I was surrounded by 75 international commentators and they were more interested in watching the women's rugby sevens final and game than what they were the men's and that wouldn't have happened 20 years ago so that stands in my mind and even just recently at the Winter Olympics the women's ice hockey final um, generated a lot more interest than what the men's did um, amongst the commentators so I agree at that first class level there's there's a lot of interest and there's lots of people watching which is great but the fact that we're losing kids um, to the sport at a younger level I actually well I think Lavina's dropped off there. Um, and we'll try and get her back. But Dana, yeah, I mean, it feels like I, I watched um, the series that's available so far on stuff.co.nz, and I, I think it was Darren Berry who was the professor uh, professor that you had on uh, about the free market. And you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's a free market. That's why there's no money in women's sport." But really, I mean, without uh, the Blackfern Sevens team, uh, a lot of what has been possible for the Olympics and for rugby in general, particularly New Zealand rugby, with sponsorships like AIG, wouldn't have been doable, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we often hear, but it's the All Blacks that bring in all the money, and so why should we filter some of that through to the women's game? But um, I hate to break it to you, but the All Blacks pay for basically all of rugby. So um, they're paying for Heartland Championship, they're paying for other initiatives, and you don't hear people sort of standing on the sidelines of men's under 85 grade games going, you know, just take your willowy frames and jog on, you're not bringing us in any money. So um, you've got to think, you know, what the health of the game isn't just what's happening in the top level and those elite teams and how much sort of profit they're making you. It's, it's what's happening at the grassroots level. And if you don't have a strong participation base, the game dies. And, you know, where are the opportunities to grow the participation base? It's in the women's game. They are the fastest growing side of the sport that I think over the last three years, um, women's, girls and women's playing numbers have increased by 40% over that same time period the men's male numbers have dropped 3.9%. So not a market decline, but still, you know, the way things are tracking, you're relying on that woman um, sort of playing base to prop up the game and bring in subs and keep club doors open. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make. And, uh, you 
we will we will get more into that. This is the expertise panel with Dilmar Lavina Good and Dana Johansson from stuff.co.nz with us. We're going to take news now with Emma, but when we come back, we will continue this discussion. The expertise panel brought to you by Dilmar. Do try it. There's something wrong with the tea slurper, isn't there? Uh, it's 26 away from 11. Uh, Lavina Good is back with us as part of the expertise panel. Lavina, we've had a text through for you as well. Uh, just put the stuff out in the sun. The dryer yeah, is also good for sanitising. You don't have to worry about washing it, okay? Uh, That's what they're saying. I wash it all, mate. I t- I honestly, I pick the kids' clothes up. They smell fine. I put it back in the drawer. I don't worry about it too much. <laughs> nice. It is a bit stressful. But just at the end of that conversation, I was trying to say that I think women's sport is starting to become exceptionally popular, but I agree that the resources certainly need to be there so that we don't lose future athletes and that's really really important to identify it at a young age and the other thing is domestic sport the more domestic sport we have of women the more on television the more coverage we have when people identify who these athletes are the more popular it will be at an international level so it's a bit of a catch-22 you need to have the coverage to know who they are to get the resources and the money and the advertising and that's something that we have to look at in the future for sure for every sport not just for rugby yeah, that's right. I mean, to get the Portia Woodmans and Michaela Blyde's, uh, you know, uh, running around on the international stage, we need to we need to feed grassroots, and, and you know, I think that's a lot of what uh, you're talking about, uh, Dana, in your uh, State of the Union uh, series that you are producing. One one thing I wanted to ask you was uh, Rob Nickel was quoted in in one of those uh, pieces of saying. Um, uh, you know, talking about professional having professional rugby players, but the next breath saying, you know, a lot of these players have jobs they have to keep, uh, they have to do to keep going. So, are they truly professional, or is is that really a little bit of uh, using that term to make it look all rosy? Like, hey, we've got professional female athletes. I mean, for me, if you're a professional, it means you don't have to do anything other than your job as an athlete. Yeah, currently in the 15s game, there are 30 professional athletes. So 30 women are able to earn a full-time living from the game and it is their number one priority. I think that what Rob Nicholl was talking about in that context was the new Super Rugby Opiki competition where... Um, You've got four teams, squads of 28 players. So within that, there's a there's a big spread of talent. So you've got players that might be straight out of high school that only pick the ball up sort of when they're 13, 14 um, versus seasoned professional black ferns. So um, it was balancing, I guess, that, that spread of talent. And so with this competition, which hopefully will kick off on Thursday, um, there is, I think what's happened is, is that but that's what's causing a lot of the issues around, you know, these players are only contracted for four days a week officially under under this system. Um, so with COVID, you know, having to bring them into camp and into bubbles and, and that's why the, the competition was reduced to only 16 days because um, that's all they've sort of allowed contractually. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I thought when uh, Super Rugby Alpeki was announced and it was going to be a month, and I'm like, well, that's not enough. You know, we've seen the Black Ferns um, absolutely handed their backsides in Europe at the end of last year by France and England. We're a long way behind those teams, and we've got a World Cup here in October. How are we going to bridge that gap? So for it to then be reduced further to 16 days, I don't know if this is too harsh to say, but it feels like tokenism from New Zealand rugby. I mean, if this was Super Rugby men's and you had an outbreak of COVID in the Hurricanes camp, do you think they would cancel the game against the Blues and just share the points? I don't think they would. Yeah, I think... um 
the issue, there's a lot of competing issues around this, this women's rugby. Um, as I say, they're not, it's a semi-professional competition. They've got players that are only contracted for four days a week. So that was where the, the problem lay. Um, and I think there's a lot of caution in the expansion because of what I mentioned before around the player welfare issues. There's this massive disparity in talent. Um, and so it's a big ask for some of these young kids that are straight out of high school to come in into what was supposed to be, you know, a, a sort of semi-professional environment, supposed to be playing in front of crowds, um, in big stadiums, um, in, in front of, you know, on TV for the first time. And that was where I, I guess the needs had to be balanced. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I think probably what this has shown is that um, NZ Rugby have left it a little bit too late on the runway to be starting to prepare the, the, the players for the World Cup when you look at what's happening over in the UK. Um, England have been playing a, a top tier uh, competition, the Allianz League since 2017. They've had massive investments since the last World Cup in 2017 that, and I think probably New Zealand rugby have, have left their run too late. Mm. Yeah, Lavina, what was, what was your take on that and the, and the way that New Zealand rugby have handled this? I think it was evident to us as, as in regards to the performance overseas from um, the New Zealand women's side and they were up against an English rugby side that played professionally and have been doing so since 2017. So when you're playing against a side that, you know, isn't disturbed by um, the coronavirus as much as what's happening here. But I guess back then in 2017-18, things should have been put in place in terms of the disruptions that would be played here. And I, and I guarantee, Ricardo, let's just come out and say it. If it was the men's rugby team, then things would have been put in to place and I understand that um, New Zealand rugby don't really want to be dragged over the coals which is fair enough but there is disparity and I think that that needs to be identified and until we identify it and advocate it then it will continue so yeah they've been left in the lurch and the expectation will be there for them to perform superbly well at a world-class level but they haven't had the opportunity because you know a virus hit us down here we're a long way from everywhere else and the resources weren't put into place to make sure that we can develop some of these young players and if we're not careful and in 15 to 20 years' time, because 15 to 20 years ago, no one watched women's rugby, and then all of a sudden, lots of people are watching women's rugby. Unless we take a good look at it now and seeing what's happening, we won't be watching it in 15 to 20 years either, which would be absolutely tragic. All right, uh, Dana, we are doing the Mount Rushmore of New Zealand female athletes today. Uh, if there was one name you had to put up there as to be one of the all-time four greats, we're going to chisel into the side of the mountain. Uh, what name are you going to give me? Oh, I think um, Dame Valerie Adams, you know, you, obviously top of mind because she's just announced her retirement, but you you just look at what she has done um, in both her sport on the field and off the field. And she is now looking to sort of further her legacy in terms of coaching and, and helping young, young Pacifica women. And I think that's a real credit to her and... Um, yeah, she's and she's a great personality as well, as, as you all you'll know. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Lavina, yours? I've got a real soft spot for Sada Hineni, Um and I, I really always have had um, when she was Hineni. <laughs> and I, I actually always um, thought Wahini Tua ear because she's just one of those women that are strong and powerful and carries the weight of a nation. But whenever I'm looking for someone to, to support me here in the Bay of Plenty when I've got a charitable cause, she's my first 
port of call. And as soon as I give her a call, she's the first one to say, yep, I'll support you with that, Lavina. It's for a good cause. And and this woman is the Richie McCaw of the rugby world, you know, in terms of male or female. She's a remarkable athlete and she's got so, she's so humari and has so much humbleness about her. It's so incredibly um, humbling for me to ever come across her. And the fact that she gives up so much of her time and energy, not just to win a gold medal for her country, but also to do so much for so many other people. She's the one that definitely deserves, in my eyes, to have her names, her name mountained and rocked out on Rushmore for sure. Indeed. All right. Hey, listen, thank you very much, Lavina. Thank you very much, Dana. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed the chat. We could have gone uh, so much longer, so much more to cover, but uh, I, I trust you enjoy your day and, uh, and uh, Lavina, um, try and stay COVID-free. You too, Dana? I'll give, it a, I'll give it a nudge, mate. I'll give it a good old nudge. Thank you. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.